I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. This week, we hear from Cozy Fanny Tutti, one-fourth of the bleeding-edge industrial rock group Throbbing Gristle, and one-half of the duos Chris and Cozy and Carter Tutti, both with her partner and TG member Chris Carter. In her acclaimed 2017 autobiography, Art, Sex, Music, Cozy talked about her career in music as well as her work in stripping, pornographic films, and magazines, which she used for her own artworks. She's now released her second book called Resistors. It draws parallels between medieval mystic Marjorie Kemp, electronic pioneer Delia Dobbyshire, and Cozy herself. It's about three women who resisted, literally, what society and culture expected of them. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about Echoes Online. You know you're probably going to be traveling somewhere where you can't hear Echoes, but you could take the perfect travel soundtrack with you by getting a subscription to Echoes Online. Echoes Online gives you 24-7 on-demand access to Echoes shows. There's also exclusive online-only streams and Echoes shows without the talking, just the music. Just get the free Echoes app on your cell phone and you can take Echoes with you pretty much anywhere you can get a signal. Go to echoes.org to find out more about Echoes Online. And now, Cozy Fanny Tutti. Cozy Fantuti is a famous opera by Mozart, but Cozy Fanny Tutti is the name taken by Christine Carol Newby for her often transgressive work as an artist and in the group's Coombe Transmissions, Throbbing Gristle, Chris and Cozy, and Carter Tutti. She revels in her status as an outsider, but her two books have brought her into something that's mainstream adjacent. The first was her 2017 autobiography, Art, Sex, Music. The second is her latest, Resistors. Resistors explores the lives of three women, one from the 15th century, one from the mid-20th century, and one from the 21st century. That last one would be Cozy Fanny Tutti herself. I'm speaking to Cozy Fanny Tutti on the Riverside app. She's at her home in England, sitting in her office. Now, just dipping into her 60s, she looks pretty much like she did in the early 70s when she came on the scene. She has the same long brown shoulder-length hair and bangs. A medieval mystic, a 1960s electronic composer, and Cozy, these are the subject of Cozy Fanny Tutti's book, Resistors, as in Sisters Who Resist. Because it's about three women who resisted, literally, what society and culture expected of them. And it also has um, a nod to um, the resistor used in electronic music as well. She co-founded the band Throbbing Gristle, a multimedia project that worked from the mid-1970s to 1981 and again, from 2004 to 2010. Their sound was an atonal assault on the senses. With Chris and Cozy and Carter Tutti, her duos with her husband and Throbbing Gristle member Chris Carter, she charted a more melodic synth-pop sound. 
You can hear why Cozy might have been attracted to Delia Derbyshire, the electronic pioneer who worked out of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and who arranged the Doctor Who theme. As soon as I found out about her and I looked into her life in more detail, I really admired and respected her for um, her determination to carry on doing what she wanted to do and what she thought was going to be a fulfilling life for her. Cozy composed a score for the documentary Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and the Legendary Tapes. Derbyshire started in electronic music long before synthesizers, constructing her works with the technique of musique concrète. Music concrète was one thing. You tape sounds, everyday sounds, and then you change them how you want them. But you tape record them on old tape. And that's what Delia did. She became um, an absolute genius with tape technology and tape techniques. She was just amazing. Spend days doing like a 30 second piece of music or even just five seconds that would then be part of a 30 second piece of music. And that was her forte. She was just incredible at it. Derbyshire would generate her sounds by any means from audio oscillators to metal ceiling light shades. She just saw them as a way to create sounds that she'd never heard before. And that's what she was interested in. She wasn't interested in doing much piano. If she did piano, which she was a brilliant pianist, she was a classically trained musician, fantastic mathematician. And those two things helped her, I think, in what she did. She had a logarithmic tables that she'd use to sort of um, apply to her tape recordings that she did. After she'd stretch them, squeeze them, she'd put effects on them, and then she'd cut them up to create rhythms. There was no software. You know, I mean, we just go into software straight away. There weren't even drum machines then. So she had to create rhythms from the sound she recorded, cut up the tapes, and do them in time to what she needed. But Derbyshire had to fight against the male culture of the BBC as well as an often ambivalent attitude in general to electronic music at the time. That reached its nadir with her composition of the original Doctor Who theme. Composer Ron Grainer had written a skeletal theme with some imagistic suggestions and handed it to Derbyshire to orchestrate. What happened was he went off on holiday and left her with just a very brief description of um, bubbles and sound bubbles and things because he'd seen the titles to Doctor Who and he took it from that because back then they were like clouds coming towards you and racing towards you. And then he went on holiday and left her to it for two weeks. This is part of her determination. Because he worked with orchestras, she decided to make it all electronic. There'd be no orchestras or instruments in it. So um, she set about it with her tape recorder again and all whatever little oscilloscopes and everything else she had to work with. And she created the rhythm with it and came up with this amazing tune.
And then when he came back, he listened to it and he just couldn't believe it. He just said, did I do that? And very diplomatically, actually, she said, well, most of it, <laughs> what do you do? He didn't do any of it. And he got credited because she was just collective member of the Radiophonic Workshop and they didn't get credited individually. So um, it went to him. Cozy composed a score to a recent documentary on Derbyshire called Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and Legendary Tapes. She actually appears in the film as something of a stand-in for Derbyshire at work, and for her score, she only used technology available to Derbyshire at the time, which was mostly music concrete techniques. Yeah, because I wanted to kind of, um, not mimic, but get into the same kind of mindset that Delia had when she was um, making music. So I had a space echo, which gave the same wonderful kind of like echo that she had on a lot of her pieces of music. Ironically, I managed to get a BBC portable tape machine and I used that and I did cutting and splicing tape like Delia did. Then I put it into um, Ableton and I'd record my Cynthia. I managed to get a Cynthia as well, which is like a VCS3 basically. And I worked from her patch sheets that were in the archive. For the sounds that she was going to create on her VCS3 and I put them into my synthy and started from there to create different sounds to make um, pieces of music and foley as well for the film. for a cozy's affinity for Derbyshire are obvious, but as an avowed atheist, a certified rebel, transgressive artist and former stripper and porn actor, what are we to make of her attraction to a medieval mystic who had visions of God, would break down in hysterical sobbings and made arduous pilgrimages to holy lands? That woman was Marjorie Kemp. And in the 15th century, she was so extreme in her passions and commitment that, to me, she seemed delusional. No, I don't agree with that. I don't see her as delusional. I see her as um, a woman of her time. Pre-enlightenment, nobody knew about how the body worked. Everybody believed that God dictated what happened to them. So it's quite expected that she would find her way through the world via God. That was her only route. Culturally, she was in, as a woman, she was expected to do certain things for, you know, basically get married, have children, do as she was told, go to church and behave herself in a very godly way. And she did not do that. She did part of it and she got pregnant, she had children, and then she said, right, now I'm going to do what I want to do. So that's where mine and Delia's and Marjorie's paths crossed, is that we said, no, we're not going to do what you want us to do. And Marjorie's creativity was in how she worshipped and how she explored the world. I mean, a 6,000 mile round trip from East Anglia in the UK, <laughs> you know, to Jerusalem and back and then out again is incredible. You couldn't get on a plane. It would be all um, horses, carts by foot across the Alps, for goodness sake. And I think if you're deluded, there's no way you could arrange that kind of trip yourself. You would have to have some organizational skills and be very confident in what you did 
and confident in how you managed people because she was treated really badly but she still managed that situation to give her the end result of what she wanted she was not delusional she was just very determined that last line goes a long way to describing cozy's attraction to kemp i relate to her as a woman who kicked against what people said she had to do and she had a different view of how her life should be and that's what i had to do because because her life was totally devoted to religion and she was Catholic and she wanted to be a saint and I don't believe in anything like that but what I do believe in is that people should be and feel fulfilled in their life and work towards that and that's what she did, that's what Delia did and that's how I approach life. Marjorie Kemp was suppressed by the patriarchal structures of the time which excluded women from doing something like writing a book, which Kemp did anyway through dictation to tell her story. Cozy also sees an affinity between Kemp's sexual subjugation and Cozy's own traumatic experience of coerced sex with another man at the instigation of her partner and thriving gristle member, Genesis Peorge. Her description just like shouted at me from her book about how I felt in that incident I described in the book. Uh, for women or guys or anyone that goes through that kind of sexual assault, it's a very guttural, horrible feeling. And I, I think it was um, pivotal in Marjorie's life and it was pivotal in mine. And that's all I want to say about Genesis. I've said everything I need to say about him in the book and the art sex music. The achievements of Marjorie Kemp and Delia Derbyshire were never acknowledged in their lifetimes, but Cozy Fani Tutti has found herself in the mainstream of at least the avant-garde as well as venerable institutions like the Institute of Contemporary Art, the Tate, and many more. The resolute outsider has been invited inside. It's not changed me in any way. I was so long, 30-odd years before the mainstream or people really began to accept what I'd done. It's a little bit like Delia, isn't it, in a way? <laughs> she was only credited, but thankfully I'm still alive and she wasn't. You know, She's just beginning to realise that people respected her, but she couldn't make the most of it in any way, enjoy it as much. It doesn't bother me because the work that is accepted now of my work is accepted for what it was when it was first produced. So. It's not compromised. I've not had to compromise my music to fit into anything. It's arrived at this acceptable point with its own uh, power, I think. And so I'm happy. Cozy Fani Tutti can be heard on her soundtrack to Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and the Legendary Tapes. Her new book is Resistors, published by Faber and Faber. Her previous work is definitely worth reading first, though. Her biography, Art, Sex, Music, also published by Faber and Faber.
I will have a link to Cozy's book, Resistors, in the posting for this podcast. I'll also have a link to her score to Delia Derbyshire, The Myth and the Missing Tapes. It's at echoes.org. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Again, that's the same place where you can support Echoes and the Echoes podcast. Next week, I've got another bleeding-edge musician, singer Meredith Monk. Before there was Elizabeth Frazier, Lisa Gerard, and Azam Ali, there was Meredith Monk, creating wordless folk songs from another planet. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next time, tonight, on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. <laughs>